0: Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Biz vs. Dev podcast. This is the first episode of season three.
1: Why do we, love you?
0: we haven't quite figured out what our theme of season three is going to be. Neither the theme song nor the thematic elements of the topics of discussion. Do you have any ideas about this?
1: I think we should consult the creators of Lost. Ah, yes. We're actually dead. Yeah, we're. Spoiler alert <laughs> everyone's actually
0: dead. <laughs> it's been long enough since lost aired i think it's safe to
1: not and here we that. are still chatting about so there was no definitive conclusion that people were dead in the show though and also it's true maybe not the best timing with the whole plane thing there's a malaysian airliner that was shot down today by ukraine today yeah but you, malaysia can't cut a break with this it's this kind of it's unfortunate Wait, um, shot down yeah um, how, do we, how do we know that ukrainian rebels claimed that they did and that they shot
0: it down mm-hmm. wow um, wait, Ukrainian rebels shot down a Malaysian airline?
1: It what was passing over there. They just shot down anything that was passing over? Yeah, and it happened to hit a Malaysian airline. That is so plane. stupid. It is indeed very stupid. Um
0: so we have a new uh, audio recording set up for season 3. It's very high tech and uh it's going to be fine. I know you're not seeing sounds on the screen, but they are in fact going into the screen they're inside the computer. There's sounds in the screen. I, let me just check and make I sure that we are on we'll link the, the right the show bit rate. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible movie! Eh? Yet to this day, yeah. I mean, the the, sh- the movie came out in 2001. Yet I'm still quoting obscure passages from it. Was that like 13 years ago? It is indeed 13 years ago. I think it came out. No, maybe it Maybe it was 2002, early 2002. Wait, you just brought a fact to the show that's not real fact. Maybe you
0: mean it, a true a true fact? It's a squishy fact. It's a Squ- fuzzy fact. <laughs> Plus or minus two years?
1: No. So it was either in... (laughs) I remember I was in sixth grade when it came out, and I just dated myself. Sixth grade. That makes you pretty young. Yes. (laughs) Sometimes people hold that against me. Plus my baby face, which definitely holds everything against me.
0: A friend of mine actually withheld all the dates, like all the years of the dates from his resume Mm -hmm. when he was applying for jobs because he didn't want to be discriminated
1: against for being too young. You know, I have... I've done that, and then I've been advised against doing it, but then I was told to do it, and then just very conflicting reports. Because it's illegal to actually ask. Yeah. They can't ask how old you are. I remember there was discussion about, surrounding someone being hired, uh, where someone I know was recommended... And they reach out to references, and the response was, "I can't. You know, we weren't expecting to hire somebody so young, or to be seriously considering somebody so young." Yeah. Uh, which meant they assumed what the age was. Granted, I'm sure the person was young-looking in general, mm-hmm. and the 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 diploma date was on there, which they figure out either high school or college and whatnot. Right. And you have dates of internships, which also kind of backtrack, so you can figure something. You can you can you can get a plus or minus two estimate of how old somebody is. Right. And then you. Meet them in person. You're probably on the younger scale of things.
0: <laughs> so enough with the witty banter. Let's uh, Never.
1: let's do some follow-up. You had something you wanted to say from last. last I did. Time. There was um, remember we discussed Significance Labs a while ago. and their goal was to tackle, you know, in Silicon Valley, it's sexy to tackle two things: either problems, first-world problems at home, or third-world problems abroad. But what about the equivalent of third-world problems? at home right? where low-income families who are making maybe less than $25,000 and how they can survive. So they have present a couple of design challenges and, and other materials of how can you help these type of families navigate the system? Uh, you know, if they have to request assistance of some sort, what can they do to, to alleviate all, all the stress that, that um uh, in That they encounter with this. So how can we how can we mitigate the amount of activity they have to perform, and especially make it easier for them to understand these forms and work with these very bureaucratic government organizations? Yeah. And there was an article that was published in Forbes, and we'll link it in the show notes about the. I think there was a founder called Mark Andreessen out, and I mean at least the title was meant to be a very, but sensationalist title. Yeah. But she chatted. That's how you get someone to read it in the tech sector, and she chatted about how you know there's this kind of this disconnect from what people of that sort really need, and that it's not a very sexy thing. And although now lately the the kind of the wise words have been go into the non sexy industries because that's where the money is because people aren't pursuing that. Yeah, because
0: there's not as much competition and yeah
1: more time to figure it out. Glamor, it's not glamorous until you succeed so much in that non sexy industry that you that you're the one who give it the sex. Factor. airbnb uber
0: <laughs> hotels and taxis not that glamorous
1: uh i mean those those are the harbingers of sexy activities though
0: if you told someone five years ago i'm gonna start actually i know someone who was pitched with this before uber was a thing is pitched with the c what was it cto position of uber this is the guy on texting you can go back like a year and a half on texting and find the episode where he's. He talks about how he was such an idiot not to take Wait, the position.
1: I, <laughs> did I read about this? Did you mention this before? I remember hearing I, I this mentioned it to you before.
0: I don't okay. think it was on the show. Maybe it was. Doesn't matter. Anyway, and he was like, yeah, I don't know. It sounds kind of fly by night. Like getting people to cabs in San Francisco. You know, I think it's going to be kind of small, small time. <laughs> and Uber, what they just recently had an $18 billion
1: valuation. They're worth, right? They're worth a lot of money. And on on that subject, um, Lyft came to New York City, but they they had a slight failure to launch courtesy of the TLC. And the way I, wait TLC the Taxi Limousine Commission.
0: Oh, I thought you were talking about the band.
1: Oh, yeah, Beyonce came back, reassembled the band, and said no. It's meant to be a little more singing song. No scrubs. No, no scrubs. No lifts and no scrubs. Scrub is a guy. You can't wait no hanging out the me?
0: passenger side of a lift. <laughs>
1: that was so painful i had to laugh (laughs) and it seemed as if it's no the the industry said the regulator regulator said the regulators the regulator said no because they wanted to flex their muscle and then you need to kind of they say no initially then they then behind the room behind the scenes they discuss things amicably and then eventually they settle on something hopefully that'll be the case Mm -hmm. because but but what but for now, Lyft can't legally operate. But Uber is. Uber is, but Uber is a different model. Uber is more. Uh, it's a dispatch service, and they they do technically have cars where they can dispatch from. Lyft is more ride sharing.
0: Uber also made a concession to the New York City cabs, which is you can pull open the Uber app, click Uber T T for taxi, yeah, and it will call. Out to the yellow and green cabs, and Uber gets no cut. All it does is alert them that someone wants a cab at that location. No, no, Uber gets a small cut. Well, you don't pay through Uber. No, you, you do. No, you don't. I've done it. Oh, okay. You use the thing, it like puts a beacon on the yellow I mean, I cabs' phones. Maybe there's
1: a ser- slight service fee. There's some sort of, I remember. Maybe
0: there's... they sign up with like a monthly fee or something, but it's not a, a commission based thing like it normally is with Uber. Right. So, the, like, what happens is. Then they're tackling
1: they, Halo. Which will link. Never heard of Halo. Halo, it's designed to help you hail a cow, a cow, a, huh. cow, a cab. I <laughs> well, think it's an Israeli based.
0: I think it's actually really cool yeah, that is. they made that concession because, I mean, that is one of the. There's no surge
1: pricing for one. Well, I'm not sure that's really a concession. It's one of the. It's one way that everybody uses Uber to get around. Yeah, you use it for taxi. You use it for Uber. You use it for an Uber. Accident. Well, it's a concession because
0: up until they did that, they had never. They'd never done the logistics stuff for free of charge. Normally,
1: I, I think it's – I mean it's, maybe it's a loss leader if they're losing anything at all, but it's, it's a strategic play. I don't well, right. I mean I, they're I, not I, losing much. It's just the cost of running some servers. Con- concession from that perspective – well, con- using the word concession makes sense if they're losing out on something, they have to give something up. But yeah, they're, really they're losing not. out on their commission. But they benefit. They wouldn't get – they get somebody who is going to use its cab anyway. Get it using it through their app, which means they're more likely to, if you know of Uber as the, as the app that can help, help hail you a cab, a regular one.
0: I think I'd still call it a concession. It's a concession that happens to have a strategic benefit, but it's... It's not a concession, then. That's, that's a very strategic play of... Uber gonna, only did it because of all the noise the cabs had that's, made.
1: So that's what I'm not sure about. I, I would be inclined to think that they would still want everyone to to use the Uber app, and let this let this be the standard MO for someone, the New York City MO, for if you want to hail the cow... Again, if you want to have a cab, you do it like this
0: well, I mean I'm for it it like out out in the boonies, twenty minutes away from Manhattan, where I live
1: <laughs> so the concession that Uber did make, yeah, was that Uber x in New York City is different from Uber X in a different city, and i'm not sure exactly where this is, but uber x you're able to do what's called ride sharing here it's just the cheaper version of of, of riding around, hmm. so in a place like. Denver, or all really all of Colorado, which has really embraced ride sharing. And I'll Link an article to that in the show notes. In the show notes, we there I think Uber operates. UberX is a separate, a different type of, uh, more of a ride sharing service. And you have a company um, that Union Square Ventures invested in, and that's um, Sidecar, and that's more traditional, full-fledged ride sharing. You get to choose what kind of car you want. You get you get to be, you go through this very some claim it's slightly more hectic, rigmarole. Some of it's just more—you want to be a little bit more picky when how you choose something. It's not just any car comes to you. Yeah. If you want a, a fancier one, you can choose that. You'll be paying a slightly more premium rate. With Lyft, it's whatever shows up shows up essentially. But that's because you want the personality. It's—I feel like the argument for this is going to be more of a—I can can't call them a Pepsi and Coke. They're going to have different things for different people. You're going to have ride sharing yeah
0: it's it's actually different whereas pepsi and coke are the same exact thing with different labels and one has a couple grams more sugar it does i remember i was
1: shocked at how much sugar pepsi has five grams i have
0: can almost completely given up beverages with with sugar in them i i don't remember the last time
1: i had soda Beer is my main thing that I still consume. I do remember. I remember I had rum and coke and I thought to myself, oh my god, I'm drinking coke. What am I doing? (laughs) I'm also drinking rum. What am I doing? (laughs) But the
0: coke. You take a sip of rum and coke and go, holy crap, coke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is terrible for me. What am I doing? I remember when I first started drinking in, in bars, I would order a vodka cranberry because I thought, okay, in terms of spirits that are least damaging to my liver, clear ones are probably the best. Let me drink vodka. But cranberry, it clearly was not cranberry juice. It was a cranberry cocktail. Cranberry cocktails, high fructose corn syrup, and some other nonsensical garbage, and probably food coloring to it all right So why do you think that a clear beverage would be better for you? I So I will have to look up the exact science for it, but apparently livers are able to, that it's less harmful to liver to have a clear. Maybe just because of the particulates that are inside, that give it the color that whatever it goes in there. I'm not sure if it's the color that's given to it by what's in it, or if it's what's inside. I don't know the exact breakdown, but that's... These I'd be interested, I've maybe it's like
0: more opaque lipid,
1: uh, liquids have lipids in them.
0: that That's like, for instance, oh. like milk hmm. is, has fat in it and it's
1: opaque as a result. But if you have fat-free milk, it's still not whiskey. <laughs> yeah, but it's also not clear. That'd be a hell of a lesson in alchemy. Milk, but that's true. Milk, fat-free milk, fat. milk
0: is not clear, so there goes that idea. Maybe it's the calcium. I don't think there's that much calcium. Okay. Well, there's milk protein. Maybe it's the protein stuff. Well, let's look into what gives milk its color. If any microbiologists listen to this podcast, just write us an email and let us know why milk is not clear. On the subject or of – Or chemists. Anyone who knows. <laughs> I don't. I clearly don't know where to start with this. <laughs> even, even armchair chemists. Anyone at all. Um, I We're going to get a link that says let me Google that for you.
1: <laughs> it's all right. You can still send it. <laughs> I love. Let me Google that for you. On the subject of, of, of uh, listeners reaching out to us, I want to keep on saying readers. I received an email when I was traveling. Um, actually, not sure when I received it. Rather, the listener is traveling, and she is a the former department chair of the um, Spanish and Latin American Cultures at Barnard College, which is part of um, Columbia.
0: Maybe we shouldn't say the name on the show. I don't know. Just first name. Let's go with just first name.
1: I didn't. Well, her name. Her name is Wada. And, right. Hi, Wada. Glad glad you're listening. Thank you so much. And I want to share. So she mentioned that um, we we were discussing. Um, I suppose now that
0: we've uh, said what what where she works and what her profession is and her people, first name, people can use the We've look basically
1: identified <laughs> her. I'll have you know what we'll we'll drop her an email and we'll cut this from the show if she doesn't want us to yeah I'll reach out to her. Um, so she in the email she wrote that in, in regard to. Our podcast uh, section on perfumes' origin as stinkmaster. This is to quote her. Uh, there's a tidbit she learned from the Museum of London during the plague epidemic of the 14th century, and we'll link that to go link in the Museum of London. People thought that perfumes ward off infection, especially if they if they contained. Now I'm going to butcher this word in pronunciation: ambergris or am- ambergris, ambergris uh, which is whale's vomit or, or uh, poo, according to more recent theories. Something that comes out of a whale. Yeah. So presumably and this, this is what the listener suge- suspects is that they may have acted as insect repellents because plague is spread by a rat tick. Hm. Um and currently and this, so this all discussion started because uh, we were discussing truffles and how expensive those are. Absurdly expensive. And apparently Was that part of being a listener of the show also? No, that was just that was just discussion of about truffles. Got and it. then uh, it turns out Ambergris or Amber Whale poo, is or works. vomit, or Whale vomit poo and or vomit. Whale excrement that's not sperm. Is sperm excrement? It's well, it's excreted. Well, is it? No, it's ejaculated, not excreted. <laughs> Season three is off to a good start. <laughs> Season three is about excrement and ejaculation. Uh, it's, so, yeah, it's more expensive than truffles. That's, and truffles are something. What exactly is a truffle? A mushroom or a chocolate? Ah, so this is exactly the question I had. I was under the impression that truffles are just chocolates. Would well, this make any sense? Truffles are kind of a mushroom-esque thing. And, I should, again, I'm butchering this as well. There was this great bit with uh, Gordon What do you Rams. mean mushroom-esque? Sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but what? They're, they grow in, in in the earth, and they have to be very meticulously cared for. And they can go up to maybe $3,500 a gram, I think. Is this related to the chocolate at all? You know, the listener isn't to hate me because I remember she explained this to me. And I just cannot remember. I read the email chain and did not come away with a
0: clear understanding
1: <laughs> Oh, so the truffle, that, that chain that I forwarded, the discussion about actual chocolate mm-hmm. and truffles was an in-person conversation. Got
0: it, and that's, that's why
1: I have no idea what—I I was, like,
0: scanning through, looking for, like, the, hey, just listen to the podcast, and I was like, I have no idea what's going on in this email chain, so I'm going to give up. I must be missing something. <laughs>
1: Slightly, yes. So, you know what, I will follow up again and deduce, or, of course, listeners, if you guys want to do some research on truffles versus, versus chocolate truffles, or maybe we can.
0: So, to recap, just in case we have to cut parts of that out. Perfume was thought to, we, we dis- we
1: discussed to that ward
0: off disease back in the Middle Ages. And the reason was because they thought the perfume
1: re- Pe- was an insect repellent. No, no, no. So people thought that perfumes ward off infections, and this they sprayed it. But back then, may, many perfumes contained ambergris or ambergris, which is whale's almond, or according and to that reason, more recent wore- theories, whale poo. But what happened, most likely, they. this uh, these perfumes act as insect repellents, and because the plague was spread by a rat tick,
0: right, which were... is not an insect, but whatever.
1: Yes. What, what is a tick? An arachnid. Oh, it is. Well, an arachnid repellent. <laughs> a pest repellent.
0: A rat tick repellent. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters, really.
1: Yeah, but I want to figure out what the, the broader sense. Of. So we're always curious. I wonder what. Why would
0: whale vomit and or poop ward off insects and ticks? I mean, usually you think of stinky things as attracting insects, although they used it as perfume, so maybe it wasn't stinky. I don't know. I think perfume is stinky, personally, so I don't know how to how to make sense of this.
1: I forget. Did we discuss the the, the movie and well, the book to perfume a story of a murderer? The story of a murderer? Murder. The story of what? A murderer. A murderer? No. So there's this fantastic book and it was made into a movie, and I'm not going to ruin the end scene. Because it, it is prolific, though. Not like we did to Lost. Not like we did to Lost. They're all dead. Tastelessly. To <laughs> Lost. Although, actually, I think we, I think Jason Biggs is catching more flack for the whole Malaysian thing than we are. Who's Jason Biggs? Exa- well, he is from American Pie. American Pie is a classic film. Yes, which I haven't seen, but I know it. And I, and I watched that. So it wasn't for my generation, but I watched it and I grew up with it kind of. I watched it with maybe 12.
0: American Pie was less part of my childhood than Back to the Future. It tells you a little bit about my childhood. Tells you a little bit about
1: mine, <laughs> <laughs> and now he's the co-star of Oranges and the Black. Oh, wait, who is he? He's Piper's fiance.
0: Oh, that guy that was guy. in American Pie. American Pie is coming back to me at the same time as now things are all connected. Now the one of the crazy. So why is
1: he getting flack about? What oh, are so we talking that... about? <laughs> one of the re- one of the women from the first season. So one of the really crazy hair. I don't know it's prison they kind of all
0: have crazy hair not the, all of them the but. blonde
1: with the crazy hair very disheveled the, the main character no 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 main character the religious one no not not pentatucky um she was the she was very active uh lesbian I got nothing she had a deeper voice raspier well she was also in in American Pie so they, they, oh I think there was some, maybe there's a third person who was in American Pie I'm not sure in any case I think there's some quick, maybe there's a thought catalog, some kind of article I read about, kind of quick list about insider facts about oranges and new black, and a couple of them were American pie. So Jason Biggs said, Who wants to buy my Malaysian Airlines uh, frequent flyer miles? So people were, weren't very pleased by that. Too soon. Way too soon. <laughs> within 24 hours. That's a bit soon. I think it happened earlier today. I think it happened, with, I think he posted within 12 hours.
0: Well, I mean, Honestly, within the first month is too soon. So the day of is obviously way too soon.
1: Yeah. I think 23 American citizens. He already
0: had made a joke about the thing before I even heard about it. Yeah. Maybe he likes to stir up controversy.
1: Well, whatever. Let's not waste any more time on celebrity gossip and nonsense.
0: (laughs) So do you have any book recommendations this week? We skipped it last week.
1: I do. This one's a little bit uh, non-traditional. It's Robert Bly's Iron John. The subtitle was a, a book about men. It's he goes into. And I'm still in the middle of reading it, He discusses myths about coming of age and male and 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 um, men and rituals of what what manhood. And it's kind of a pleasant kind of a pleasant read because you go through. This is why I'm really drawn to indigenous cultures. To what's called? Indigenous? Yeah. When you take away everything that we have in terms of how our society works. And you can read Wade Davis, The Wayfinders, which is also a fantastic read on this. And and The Wisdom of of the ancients. also, I think, Ancient Wisdom. Another one. It's called Ancient Wisdom. I
0: think that's the exact title. Um, It's somewhere in my storage. you got to give me enough that when I'm doing the show notes, I
1: can actually find it. (laughs) I, I will type that one in. All right. It's in my Amazon purchasing history. So I found wade Wade davis 's book, and I brought it, brought it to my current apartment, but I cannot find the other one, so I 'll have to reread that later and they discuss well again, indigenous cultures, if you strip away everything that we have here, every understanding of how life works, you realize that there are other cultures who work who work differently, who live differently, who think differently, who have whose very concepts of how existence is, can be, and will be are Sometimes even incompatible hours. They just they have different mental schema, and something that's really fascinating for me about Lyft, for instance, and, uh, and we're going back to this company of the philosophical underpinnings. It's something that you have, and this is something we discussed in the in the sharing economy episode, right? Um, which recurring themes because this is something that I that I hold near and dear in africa for instance there's this concept of ubuntu and we'll link that in the show notes when of course linux was named after that but it's Mm a scene to nearly directly quote wikipedia this universal bond of sharing we're all clicked we're all connected together by you know i help you you help me and if the very notion of existing without my helping you doesn't work we are just kind of one together very much unified and so with with like asynchronous working together Which is the way this is before work. It's just about coexisting
0: community. Right, yeah. Well, the asynchronous part is... That's Linux. No, 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 no. Socially asynchronous. Like, I do a nice thing for you, and you do a nice thing for
1: me, and they don't happen to be at the same time, but it's just working together. And that's the only way how these things could work. Right. So it's... When Zimri, which is the kind of predecessor to Lyft, Zimri was then sold off, and then the founders started... Lift, It came about because one of the uh, founders, John Zimmer, he – and he's not, he didn't name that for himself. He went to Zimbabwe, and there he saw that people – and this is terrible infrastructure, especially mm. for roads. But they were able to move around – people were able to move around by creating a, a, kind of a, a carpool. Mm. You let people know this is where you want to go, and then people just, it, it was – Rather efficiently organized for a place that has very little much, especially when he visited and, and areas they visited, very little much of anything. They have to organize consistent rides. I mean the roads are even kind of in disrepair if there were any at all. But this, there's, there's underlying – these, so these principles, you know, once – before you have Western thought influence or pervade or however you want to characterize Western thought – Certain cultures, it's fascinating to see how they viewed things beforehand, how they're very much at peace or with the sense of unity, harmony with their environment, how they're extraordinarily intuitive. So Polynesians, and Wade Davis describes this in The Wayfinders, they were able to determine how far away an island is Mm -hmm. based on – or any body whether even there is an island, based on how the waves come back. Just by looking at the waves, they can figure out what's happening around it. And this is without any kind of calculation, they just they just they're so in tune with how waves work and how the water works. But that is with a calculation. They just haven't well, made a
0: mathematical model out of it. Yes. Without any computer calculation, that is. Yeah, so, whatever. <laughs> no, it's a very distinct difference. So we you got thousands of years of not using computers to do stuff. It's not
1: that amazing. <laughs> uh, one thing that, that's it's extraordinary is when and I I say this all, often. Say, no, I have no sense of direction. Mm-hmm. But there are people who do, and there are people who would become um, certainly if you're on if you're born of this planet on this planet, mm-hmm. and I, can, I guess you can say of this universe and in this universe, you're part of the your your upbringing, your everything is somehow in tune with everything around you. I kind of, very much sound like a hippie right now. I'm going to continue going with this, in this direction. Okay.
0: I have something about the sense of direction, but I'm going to save it.
1: I, I remember I, I, I enjoyed telling time based on the sun when I was younger. Especially when we went to... Using I, the sun. Using the sun. Figuring out where it is and roughly what time it is. And my friend and I, we went to a water park. And we had, I mean, I didn't have a foot watch on me because it wasn't waterproof or maybe it broke or something. And I was oh, so this is roughly twelve thirty. And it was it clearly wasn't as well calculated as you no, know, it's twelve thirty three with thirty-seven seconds. But rough estimates. And then we always we, we always followed up with somebody else to see how off I was. And it was I think I think I was within twenty minutes every single time. Maybe there's one forty minute deviation. But plus or minus twenty minutes. Yeah, plus or minus twenty minutes. I think that's pretty good.
0: There's like two parts to that. There's the the internal sense of time, like how much time has passed since the last time I thought about time and the
1: the like looking at your shadow and looking up where the sun is in the sky, but imagine so whatever we have in terms of we can look at the sky and look at our shadow, oh, we understand how this works, yep, but imagine being so much more in tune with how the world around you works, and you and you and with these. When you when you don't have anything else, that's all you rely on. You figure out which plants, which berries, which animals, which how to navigate the seasons. What's edible? What's not? What's useful? What's not? How can you make these things work for you to survive and coexist? Uh-huh. And having these philosophies come to the West, you know, almost as a reaction to capitalism and what we the things that don't. I, I don't, don't think it's related to capitalism. Well, we're they They can coexist, but they 're being pitted against one another because they're being introduced in the capitalist system so they i think they there might be mutually exclusive rather they i i don't think they 're mutually exclusive you can't have principles of ubuntu and pure unadulterated although inherently it is adulterated capitalism. Working together, side by side. What do you, you mean? Can, you can have unadulterated capitalism. You just don't fuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> Inherently speaking, capitalism is adulterated. <laughs> That's what I was going for. No, I know. You just want to let out an f bomb.
0: <laughs>
1: Hell's yeah! <laughs> All right. So, and, and so, and now you have maybe a reaction, maybe not. Maybe, just it's, it's a force. It's a different type of force that comes here, and people are viewing them viewing things differently. They're saying, we want, to have, we want to work like this. And it's having, having, you have this revival of the, the philosophies that we've had back in the day come back. And it's kind of where we all started from. So you have, an, you have a, a revival of, of ancient philosophy through modern technology. We're getting to the point where we can bring about this utopia, which people have dreamed about for so long, and this is how we've idealized things. I think. And that, I think that that's more in tune with how we're supposed to be because if an indigenous culture has it, And although this, you know, some you might describe as being barbaric or, you know, maybe they have.
0: But the difference is they, an indigenous culture may have certain things which we have lost on our quest to whatever, improve the world vis-a-vis capitalism. But they also have all kinds of downsides that we have managed to eliminate, Mm -hmm. like polio.
1: Very, although I wonder how many of them actually have experienced polio.
0: Yeah, but so polio is just an example. But take any highly contagious disease, and I don't know AIDS, for instance. I mean, which they may not. Be. So you're the way that the Western world has been able to encapsulate AIDS and find all these ways of coping with it, and stop the spread, and educate everyone how to not get it, and stop people who have AIDS from being cast out of society. All of those things are things that would not be able to happen. Without the sort of Western technological sort of,
1: so I, I'm I'm not eschewing an, uh, t- technology. I'm not I'm not, um, to an extent, and I'm not advocating being a luddite. I, what I, and there's some things that you you cannot have. Okay, what I'm at what I would like to advocate for is a middle ground where you have these. When you think about how Europe viewed itself, especially when it had this divine right element to it we're going to spread christianity across the world because we need to turn these we need to help these savages find salvation when you disregard what someone else's view on something like mental schemas so violently and literally violently they just they destroyed cultures they they implored them mm-hmm. uh, usually by use of force to convert they introduced a whole new concept of if you don't, you've existed your whole entire life without doing this. Now that you know about it, we're saving you, and you need and you need salvation to begin with. And if we, I don't think that is an an aspect of
0: capitalism. I think that is an aspect of religion in general.
1: But I, but where did capi- But capitalism grew out of. And a society in which this was the case so if you look at the uh, you look through all these iterations of origins of where things could, sprung from I And mean, again these are all ideas that just came from somewhere which and you know if life started over again they may not be i think capitalism is inherent to okay so i the think idea. I think capitalism is, is inevitable for instance you don't have capitalism the way we describe it in cultures that have ubuntu uh They have Ubuntu. They have that understanding. I mean, of course, they have some... But they
0: don't accomplish the kinds of things that capitalism enables. You need exploitation in order for certain types of progress to be made. Mm -hmm. Like, exploitation is a necessary component. Like, you need that surplus in order to be deployed elsewhere. Yeah, this is very true. Like, yes, the first exploitation that was... Like the Industrial Revolution, for instance, or you know what? Let's take it back even to like the Catholic Church, and they collected tithes, and it, te- it wasn't technically exploitation, but it was kind of like de facto, like everyone was told that they needed to tithe, and so ten percent of everybody's earnings was coming into this institution, and then those monks actually were doing science, right? Like Mendel squares. Like Mendel is a monk.
1: Yeah. If only the church was well, now actually now, it turns a little bit more in favor of science. If only the south, the southern churches were in favor of science. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you're, you're absolutely right. There is an incredible amount of productivity that comes from, from capitalism. I'm arguing for conscientious cap. So here's an action. No, the problem with the cap- is it only goes so far. Everyone has to feel like everyone else is also bought in.
0: And a scientist that just sits in their house and, like, does research on their plants every day for five years, at some point their neighbors are like, why do I keep giving you food and you keep not doing anything? Like, I'm not giving you food anymore. <laughs> Like
1: I really don't think that humans can practice Ubuntu unconditionally. But if you're to instill Ubuntu principles into capitalism, you can have conscientious capitalism that where you're not exploiting people for the sake of crane industries that are self-perpetuating and, and don't add value to society. Instead, they just exist to extract value from it. Yeah, like patent trolls, cigarettes. Patent trolls, uh, you... cigarettes are different. At some point.
0: Cigarettes are almost completely gone, and there are some people that choose to consume them regardless.
1: Cigarettes aren't that gone. I said almost, and I said at some point. <laughs> you know, Britain, I'll link this in the show notes. I think Britain introduced, or they're trying to introduce a ban on cigarettes oh. for everyone, for anyone under a certain age. So that within a generation, no one would smoke it anymore. So if you're... Like born after a certain year? Yeah, you know allowed to smoke cigarettes. It's you're, It's inherently legal for you to smoke cigarettes. And that way they just, it's done. You cannot, you don't Have do, we learned nothing from drug bans? It's harder to drugs used in private. Cigarettes are more public. You smell cigarette smoke, you're done. You are you go on the street and smoke a cigarette. Yes, people are going to be hiding these things. But you can't publicly, no one's going to be huffing and puffing a cigarette because it's such a good high. It's not a good high, it's a terrible existence. You, your life sucks. When you're on coke, <laughs> things are great, presumably. When, you, when you're on ecstasy, things are great, presumably. Marijuana? When you're, Mar- I, Presumably
0: also fantastic depending on how you enjoy it. I, I bring it up because it's a thing that you smoke and as soon as it becomes legal, people will be smoking it in the streets. And I assume that you will not be in favor of this.
1: No, but I'm almost not in favor of people uh, – well, I'm not in favor of people being recklessly drunk in the streets either. In Germany – it depends on the culture. When I was in Germany, people drinking drink in the streets is not any problem. It's fine in Europe. For the most part, people are a little bit more tolerant and people are more responsible. In New York City, people who drink in the streets, maybe it's because it's, it's forbidden to do so. But if you... It's only the people drunk enough to do it anyway. Yeah. But I would not find it pleasant to have people in New York City drinking in the streets. But in general, people in New York City are too rowdy. It's a very... <laughs> Such an old man. Get off my lawn. All right. I think we should move on. Wait, we were all... This is this all sprung from... Speaking of books, which sprung from something else. The, the lift discussion, I can't blank in where... Okay, you were giving a book recommendation. Yes. It was oh right mythology. So Robert Bly's Iron John. <laughs> this is a very extended, a very extended discussion about uh, this is a fascination because you get these origin stories of how people have perceived what various social constructs are for so long and what, what they are prior to the very well, to the pervasive understandings of the Western world. What is it before all this? But what is it especially before marketing happened? How did people view things before, and is this, and once you get to the point, once you get back to, I guess this, this would be closer to the original truth with with these myths of how people perceive, perceive something, and, and trying to figure out what is it about this myth that makes the myth that made it resonate so. Small. Marketing is just group persuasion,
0: and that's been around forever. The well, only difference is that marketing is group persuasion in service of selling
1: a product. Yes, or or selling an image. So now it's very hip to be, or for a little while before there was a backlash against it. It's very hip to be stupidly thin in the roman times people found it to be attractive to be overweight it was a sign of wealth in fact romans you would eat so much they would feast and they would vomit they would induce vomiting they would, <laughs> and they would feast again and they would gallivant in their very fr- frivolous orgies of with the featured man women and animal and like that. it's worth noting that, that was a very small portion of their population the men the women or the animals we're the ones engaging all, the, engaging all these orgiastic behaviors. All of behaviors. these behaviors. The eating
0: and the orgies. That right. was the 1%. And I would say <laughs> that the 1% is probably
1: still doing most of that. You know they probably are. There's some shady shit going down with Skulls and Bones. <laughs> Skulls and Bones is the secret society that most presidents have belonged to. They're out in Yale. I thought you were making a Pirates of the Caribbean reference. No, It's real. Definitely real. I was kidding.
0: <laughs> all right. So um, we're about 40 minutes in. And uh, we have to wrap it up pretty soon. So uh, I want to talk about what's going on with you and just, you know, our life updates, etc. cetera.
1: Yeah. Uh, so my big thing is uh, earlier today I went to – w- I was invited as a speaker to MIT Enterprises. There's a sm- someone of in the MIT Enterprise Forum created a summer program for high school girls. And it was the ages – I thought it was – it turns out the ages were uh, from f- – high school freshmen, or going to sophomore year rather, and accepted into college high school seniors or early college folks. So maybe even gap year. And I tend to speak about what I do, what I did, how I got here, and it was such a pleasant feeling to chat with these girls, and some of came a little bit late, and I remember thinking how much I would hate to be called out on being late. <laughs> So I turned around and as soon was like because the door was was behind me and I turned around and just said, "Hey, welcome." There was this. I felt, <laughs> you thought about how much you would hate it if someone did it to you until you did it. No, no, I would hate someone if someone had called me out on it and, and, and frowned uh, frowned on me for being late. But it's just you know this these these girls are they applied to it and they were accepted and they're here voluntarily. But you know there's still some sort of commitment to attend the whole time. So what is what is the program supposed to do exactly? It was to expose young women. Uh, to all things entrepreneurial a different perspective and some of them are from technical high schools some of them are from uh, more science based high schools and to show them no you, you here is what entrepreneurial thinking is you can either apply it in life in an entrepreneurial way and work within a company and become that person or just to try a set of principles that help you break free of unnecessary mental trauma. how change. big is program I think there were maybe 24 girls in the room, something along that line. This is high school? This is all high school. And they had other speakers, a speaker from Facebook, a speaker from – actually, the only one I can remember off the top of my head is another speaker from Facebook. Okay. i same fraternity. You are in a fraternity? I was in Alpha Epsilon Pi. Any fellow a- A-Piers, feel free to listen. Feel free to reach out. You may remember Alpha Epsilon Pi as having the luau scene in the social network. Nope. Luap, did you see Social Network? No. Oh, well, that's why I don't remember that. Yes, that's A-pi. Also, Weird. all things
0: fraternity kind of tend to, like, wash right over.
1: You know... All things
0: Greek, I shouldn't say fraternity. All, all th- things sorority also wash right over. Now, all things Greek, do you
1: mean Greek and Roman? Or just fraternity Greek? Both. I, yes. <laughs> I don't speak Greek either. Well, you should. It's important language. If you want to... Dine with Dionysus. Wait, was Dionysus the French, the, the Greek, or the Roman one? I don't know. So Romans adopted a lot of the Greek gods and they shifted them around. I'm blanking. Which one, Dionysus? I want to say Dionysus was, was Greek because <sighs> then who was the Dine- Who was the French? Uh, the, the Roman Dionysian equivalent. We we'll have to look that up. <laughs> and to our readers in the show notes. It was. I finally got a chance to. And I've, I've fantasized about being a teacher for so long. I really wanted to be one, but I don't know how to accomplish whatever what it is I want to do, and how to how to address and 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 satiate all the things I want to that I find fulfilling in being a teacher in general. And in addition to that, to be a teacher. And this was just one that quick opportunity just to chat with somebody and relate to them and treat kids and teenagers as teenagers and kids, but also treat them seriously. Take them seriously. So treat them like kids, but also seriously. And I'm hesitating to not say also like adults, even though that's – You shouldn't say – no. Everyone should be – to to speak to somebody – so this is what marketers do. They speak to somebody the way that that person needs to be spoken to to get their attention. Wait, so you, that's what? Who does? Marketers. Oh, marketers. You, you relate to them as they need to be related to. So you might draw concepts. So, for instance, I, I discussed fear of rejection and fear of failure. And then we talked about dating because it's such a – for them, such a close parallel. They can understand. And was one girl who said, I don't care. I'm going to tell a guy I like him because if I don't, I'm going to miss out on that. I'll get rejected. Okay, then move on. Fail fast. <laughs> Fail fast? <laughs> Fuck it, chip it. <laughs> I don't think that's the right lesson for dating. <laughs> no, not for high school girls. And the, but there's another girl who there who was, she was used to getting really good grades. But she was the one who who came up with an interesting concept for a company, uh, where it's a a heel where the the heels the heel part of that was removable. so They could turn into a flat afterwards. So it's stylish. They can go back and forth, so it's very, and it's because she saw her that her mother and her sister were suffering from this type of stuff, and here's something that is a problem that she can, she can fix. Which, but she was more, she was the one that was more hesitant about failing. She also mentioned how when she likes a boy, she's a little bit more shy and she wants to make maybe have a friend tell her friend. And it's just this, it touches on a broader issue of something that I, have, I have to some eventually put put down on on paper, of hat theory. We wear lots of different hats, but we're still the same person below. So, if we're missing something, no matter what hat we put on, we're still going to keep missing that same exact thing. If it's gumption, if it's if it's uh, if it, we have risk of, if we're risk averse, we're still going to maintain that no matter where we go. Relationships, friendships, work, life, play you're still going to maintain that something that's 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 not sufficiently or not as fleshed out, not, not as developed as it could be, or as as we want it to be. If we that's what we aspire to have,
0: which so, reminds me of last of your last book recommendation, Quiet. The idea that certain personalities, certain character traits are somehow not desirable. I always have kind of, it took me a while to get there, but once I did, I've kind of always ever since been of the mind that whatever it is that you are, you should embrace it and figure out how to use it to your advantage instead of trying to change exactly what it is that you are. Because when you try and change yourself, you tend to just be less successful.
1: Yes. Trying to appeal to everybody is a losing game. But if you just say, "I want to be 110% myself," just double down on what you are. I mean, you shouldn't be a douchebag. There's some things you can work out and get better at because there there things you might find more desirable. Um, you should always try and be better. Yes, try to be better, but but then what? What? How do? You, what do you characterize as better? I used, for instance, I That's used to. That's up to you. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I used to value this the stoic uh, male. Uh, stereotype someone who's very mysterious and inaccessible and um the anime protagonist i don't know about anything about anime but (laughs) 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 since if you guys ever seen roger dodger this guy is he's a copywriter he's very disconnected from life We'll link uh, link a trailer to it in the show notes, and kind of exemplifies his character very well. But I was drawn to someone who was more like Ari Gold from Entourage, just someone who's. But now I look at Ari Gold, I watch clips of him every every now and then because just kind of nice, reminisce about fun show that I enjoyed Mm -hmm. watching for several years. Think I can't, I can't imagine being that way. It's a terrible place to be. You're such, you're, you're so mean. You're so unpleasant. You're funny, and you're. I'm glad you're a caricature, but I would never want to be around someone like you. And that's not what I want to be anymore at all. And I found. Maybe partially because I cut out gluten that and how much that irritated me and caused me to be irritable and angry, but or, or just meditating more and 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 finding more of the person I wanted to become by finding things that I I, I was I found pleasant, and I mean there's a music parallel here well, too, sort of
0: like in show follow up. I, I on the topic of mentors, I kind of feel like there's people in the world who are like that to me. And I don't know, they're, like, not really mentors because I hardly even know them. Just these people that I see in the world, like, that are sort of public about their life and I admire something about it. And then I tend to, like, a couple years later, like, it's like once I've absorbed whatever it is that I admire about them, like, at some point I stop admiring them. And it's not that the thing, it's, like, not that they have stopped being it. It's just, like, I, it's like I've, I grok it and I don't need to, like, admire them anymore to it's like when you see someone do something like awesome and you're like how does that even happen you know like you like i don't know like those guys that dance in the subway or something you're just like whatever that guy just did like that looks like he's defying the laws of physics (laughs) and you're just like you can't help but look because it's just like your mind can't process like what's going on and you're also hoping you don't get hit they're actually the police is really cracking down on those huh well i mean So I kind of have that sort of effect towards, like, people doing things in the technology community or whatever. It's just, like, things that I, like, it's, like, how did that person even get to where they are? Yeah. It's, like, how did you get to be the person you are? Like, how do I do that? And then sometimes once you see what the path is, you're, like, I actually don't want to go down that path.
1: I've come across some people who are incredibly accomplished. And I think, but, but look, look what you gave up. I, value, I, I have different values from you. And that's why I mm-hmm. can't take your path. I'm going to take my own path. And, you know, there's some people I look at them, how did you do all these things? You now you you work in Iraq or Afghanistan and, and you also have this and you did it when you were in high school. And I thought, I'm thinking of something in particular, but I'm blanking where to link it. So I'll just it's make, fine. <laughs> for now, we'll make it an abstract example. And I realized, well, clearly that person was driven by something in particular. And my looking at it from the outside in gives – does no one justice Yeah. because I don't know what the intentions were. I don't know what the motivations were and and presumably they're very much intrinsic. But if I do things that are more in tune with me and stay as self-reliant, that's another thing to to link to and to read.
0: And also if you – you can't try to emulate someone else's – like when you see someone that does something desirable, you often don't know how they got there and when it's like –
1: you aren't them, so you can't go down their path. But you can. But there are things that you can. And, and Susan Cain wrote about this in her book about this uh, free trait theory. That if there's some a trait that you need, that that you can kind of equip yourself with, that this is very desirable and, and desirable, and it's necessary. You can kind of cultivate that. Totally. That's what I do. That's why I pay attention to those yeah. people. And it's you know this is why I. There's something that I realized now that I loved about Bruce Lee and I didn't realize back then what it was it about that him resonated so heavily with me. That he took something from everything. He took whatever worked for him from every different uh, philosophy and ideology and, and form of martial arts that he countered and he created his own. Mm-hmm. Because he said, this system is too limiting. That system is too limiting. This mode of thought, this, this mental sarcophagus that these people are choosing to put on their heads, it's not for me. I want to take the best of this. I want to understand why this is there. Mm -hmm. and where the origins of all this is. And then I'll figure out, well, now I'm going to put this system together, and here's my understanding of these origins. Here's how I'm going to synthesize them and create something new out of it, something that that works more for me. I wonder –
0: so this is why I'm always drawn to new programming languages. Like Mm -hmm. every time I learn a new language, there's always something in there that's like different from the way I normally do things. And that's what fascinates me about it. And I wonder if at some point like – I'm going to have exhausted the low hanging fruit of what you can learn from other programming cultures and it's going to become not interesting anymore. And I'm a little bit excited for when that happens and also a little bit scared like maybe I won't actually be that interested in programming once there's nothing new to learn anymore. Well there's just always going to be something new to learn. It's by the
1: time you get to that point there's going to be a different well it'll be too much work for each extra little tidbit of useful. languages will be different by then. Uh, maybe they ha- they're not changing that fast. I mean, once you get to quantum computing, everything changes in terms of how language structure works and how – once you change how the processor works in general. Well, yeah, true. But programming languages are abstractions,
0: and they're designed to be understandable. So even if you change the computing architecture, the odds are the abstractions are going to stay the same because they're what people understand already. Yeah. Hmm. I mean – There'll be some new exciting things be, that'll be like new abstractions that are specific to quantum computing, and that'll be interesting,
1: but most of it's probably going to stay the same, I would guess. Until again, too, when you have a bigger cross-blend with... Once you get more biomimetic and, or biomimicry in, in, entwined with... Computing. But inherently, humans think, like the way our
0: brain works is... How do I make sandwich? Okay, let's lay it out. Let's make a checklist
1: and you do it in order like That's not that's not how you even think. So that's how we've that's how we've that's the easiest uh, way to communicate it. Like that's easy to a computer, but that's not the way that we think in general.
0: This, if I say how do I make a sandwich, you would explain, well, okay, first you need to get these things.
1: The ultimate programming language is going to be one that has nothing to do with, com- with com- computers now as as they are now. It's going to be of how our brains work in the very when we still don't understand that, that is going to be how one little change and how this one little variable can shift so much in our head. But heads. the real way that people think is they think of what – they think of the
0: end result, and then they try and figure out how to get there. Like that's how human problem solving really works in your brain. You're like, I want a sandwich. All right. How do I make this happen?
1: How do I get sandwich into mouth? How <laughs> do <laughs> I get sandwich? Well – is it into mouth? How do you get sandwich into belly? Because that's, that's what's hurting you. May, unless, it depends. If you're if you're hankering for the flavor or if you're just plain hungry. Flavor, it's getting to mouth. Hunger, it's getting to stomach. But I, I, I want to I, backtrack. I think
0: in your mind, when you're thinking about solving the problem, it's not really that important which of those two things you set as the end goal. I, I want
1: to backtrack for a moment here about when you said so something that fascinates you about when you learn the languages. But to go back to another kind of shared thing about ours, is music. The artists that resonate... With people, mm. or the ones aren't the ones who are trying to please everybody. They're niche, especially now that you have things, you have mainstream music in general just kind of flailing about and you have. Oh, come on. Mainstream
0: music is better than it's been in decades.
1: Top 40? Come on, Rude Boy, can you get it up? No. No, that Rihanna song is not good. <clears throat> I think it's better than what we had in
0: 1999. Don't knock the Backstreet Boys. I like the Backstreet Boys, but I don't think the Backstreet Boys are representative of 1999. Sure they are. They're representative of boy bands. There's a lot of other stuff going on in 1999. Britney Spears? Yeah, she's all right, too.
1: <laughs> Wait, so <laughs> in terms of having if, – if an artist, someone's mm-hmm. trying to express themselves and they're sensitive enough to be capable of taking in what, what they have internally and putting it out there in a way that's, that communicates to others, it helps, it lets them hear what they want to say – Helps the listener hear what the what the speaker wants to say, and helps the listener understand what the speaker wants to say. Hear, understand, reflect. Um, again, resonate. I keep using that word, but having the same kind of feeling. Yep. You need someone who's distinctly themselves, who stands for something, so people can who, people can relate to that. If it's someone who's just trying to get to everyone, it's gonna be such a superficial level. They can't penetrate these these bigger bonds. And relationships in general are the same exact way. Sure. I, I would agree with that, but I don't know. And and, and this is why I'm so he- scared about But nothing. I, I mostly agree. <laughs> I, I'm scared of things like Tinder, uh, which are well let's just swipe right and we'll and we'll and we'll dilly dally and we'll have we'll play a game <gasps> of chess. Did you see that article? I'll link it in the show notes that I sent to you earlier today.
0: The uh I was on Fred Wilson's blog of VC and it was like basically something to the effect of no pain no gain social networks <laughs> like well there's just no pain no gain but with regard to social networks and social systems in general like you if you just want music to be on go to pandora you don't you pretty much have to do nothing and then bam music like just comes out but nobody goes to pandora and is like this is my favorite playlist i've ever heard <laughs> people generally go to Pandora and they're like, this is good enough for me to ignore while I do something else. And if you really want to hear great music that like, that you can dig your teeth into and that you can really like get something out of that you can really, at the end of the day, be like, that was time well spent listening to that music. You don't go to Pandora. You go into systems where you have to put more in, you have to give more feedback. You have to be more exploratory. You have to invest more time to find it. And that goes for like Twitter too. And so he made this really interesting parallel, which I love because I t- this is how I've felt for so long, and no one else ever said it, and I mean I never even really got put, was able to put my finger on it. but like Twitter is the social network that you get you reap what you harvest essentially, like the more time you put in, the better Twitter is for you, and Facebook is the Pandora where you just show up and like it's like, hey, be friends with your whole family and everyone that you ever met until you start using Facebook like Twitter. Yeah, until you Although, until you start unfriending all your friends and family and only <laughs> and
1: only remain friends with people who you actually like. Well, no, I mean I I use Facebook, I mean again, I use Facebook the way some most people use Twitter. I think we discussed this before? Right? I like certain pages cuz I want to hear I want to get content from them. That's right. what I listen to. I don't care what Someone did this or someone did that. It's I don't care about your sappy status. I don't care about your happy status. I care about. I want to learn more. But don't you realize that you're the person
0: on Pandora meticulously thumbs upping and thumbs downing things in, yes. a, in hopes that you get a good
1: playlist out of it? I don't. That's the only way you can. That's the point of Pandora. You're supposed to thumbs down. I've gotten some great songs. I've had. I've. I have had great times with Pandora. But but usually it's because I. Yeah, you're right. I You're
0: using it well. a really kludgy tool to accomplish something that other tools are much much better at.
1: Go on SoundCloud, go on... Mm. But the thing with Pandora is that it's going to keep playing. If I go to YouTube, I can kind of curate my own list, but I forget, I go, oh, I'll type something in now. With Pandora, I can kind of, I I can, weave, I can weave in and out of having to put any effort into it. But almost all of the better design systems have hybrid things, where you're like,
0: give me radio based on this playlist, and it plays your playlist and then gives you extra stuff in there too. Like, uh, what's the one that I subscribe to that I spend tons of time with? Why can't I remember? Spotify. <laughs> It's the coffee. Coffee gives you bad long-term memory, good short-term memory. Like I don't know. Spotify, all it is to me is music box with green dot. <laughs> that's
1: <laughs> that's my mindset when I use music software. Symbols are very powerful. Yeah. To, to, to go back for a second, there in terms of how long, how much time it takes to build something. Y- yes, you need. It takes a long time to invest in something, which is something that. Programmers, I think, don't completely fathom. They want to make everything more and more efficient. But human relationships are the complete opposite of efficiency. I think that's not actually right. I think programmers
0: are the types of people who are willing to invest huge swaths of their time into something in order to make it better. And they want to make it more efficient because they want those peaks, their highest accomplishment of like return on investment yeah. for their time to be higher.
1: Well, initially it takes a lot of time and then they want to make it more efficient. Right. Well, they want to eliminate everything that's
0: repetitive. Like once they figure out, okay, I could stop thinking about this. Let the computer do it so I can think about something else to make it better right. and better and but better. But then they
1: take that the same approach and they apply it to people. And that's where it's scary because you have this cold, hard logic. And then especially if someone's brain is so wired and because they spend the majority of their time working in this scenario, that they neglect the other side, that human stuff is significantly slower. There's this great German word that I'm going to butcher. I think it's naturlumskite It's in um, – self-reliance and emerson's self-reliance I'll, I'll link that it's i mentioned earlier it's an incredible read and i think everyone should be able to read that once every couple of months so with tinder you swipe right you swipe left you meet this girl you meet that guy it's i mean i'm no fan of tinder but continue <laughs> but it's yeah but it's a quick thing and this is why i, 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 I deplore mobile i yeah but that's not inherent to mobile no, it's it's the things people assume things on mobile should be faster. When we text, or at least this was bigger before, we use text speak and we sound like bumbling idiots. I never did that, for the record. Ditto. Mm. No, I did in AIM. I used to do, and then I and then I, I then I wised up. No, it wasn't AIM. It you know was... what I
0: always thought? Text speak is for people who are so like technologically illiterate that they are such as like they're the reason they have to use text speak is because they don't know how to type. <laughs> you know? yeah. I was like, ah, uh, these poor people that can't touch type. They have to say the letter U instead of Y O U to save two keystrokes. Yeah, it's I, like, I don't know. I could, I can type like with one hand faster than you know. I guess I
1: assume those people because why are they doing that? This is true, and uh, but then you have this approach to relationships where it's so people taken so quickly and it's thrown. It's throwing things out of whack. In that they expect to think, and then, but I don't think that is characteristic of software people. Like I actually, no, 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 sorry, not all software people, but in this particular subset of how we're approaching things. So things supposed to be shorter. OkCupid, for instance, pro people's profiles used to be very rich, vivid. They wrote a lot. People who wrote a lot were appreciated. Now, things have changed completely, where people are writing. Short sentences that people are message being sent is more like a chat than it is an actual email. Yeah, but that which is being lost. I'm not
0: entirely opposed to that. I mean, that is just like moving the conversation out of the medium, and I don't think that OK Cupid chat is a great place to get to know somebody anyway. But
1: OK Cupid messages were OKCupid profiles were also were. If the sorry, I, I should I should I should qualify that. For somebody who is capable of expressing themselves using language well, it was a fantastic way to get to know someone. But again, that that game has changed. My bigger thing is that this is spreading to other elements. So you have Tinder, then you have I think it's app app called Tipper, which is swipe right, swipe left for jobs. And we already have people leave organizations left and right. And again, it takes a long time to develop a relationship in the company to get a, a thorough understanding of what your work is. But if you're picking a job, if you're picking a company, if you're picking where you're spending the majority of your time in a day. basically, What exactly do they see on the screen before they swipe left and right? Just the company's like logo? Well, no. I'm, I'm sure it's not that superficial. I'm sure there's some description. But, I don't know. Tinder is. But even then, <laughs> this is true, but it's still the same concept. How much information can you really glean from a swipe right Swipe, right, swipe blonde, right or swipe left? left? Blonde left it's when you have this you know like brunettes uh, Google left Microsoft left (laughs) when you have this quick insistence that or rather when you have this knowledge that there's something better just right behind it and you're in a system that encourages you to go to the next thing so of course there's a better job out there if you look for it but now it's there's still a process to find a job. If your process to find a job is just swipe right or swipe left, there's always going to be something better to show on the corner. You're still going to whip it out and say, well, maybe swipe right or swipe left. A company, especially like OkCupid, its goal is to get people to stay on the website. Its goal is not, inherently speaking, it's not get to get people to get married and leave the website because then they lose customers and you get, they lose users. They want somebody to use it to the point where they have enough repeat visitors and uses of it per person. Visits rather, and 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 uses per person, that they would continue to generate some revenue. I mean, Tinder, like I discussed before, was developed by IC so that they would people would eventually get comfortable using. But
0: those them. stories of people who actually do meet someone and get married are what drive people to want to use the platform. I mean,
1: ultimately, when you that that that's the trick. That's that's the head fake. That's what that's what people are drawn to, but that's not what they actually want to celebrate as much. How about we? It's different because how about we's platform is built around. You guys can use this for before you're dating, but we're not going to lose you afterwards. We're going to celebrate your story, and then you guys can use this for dates, too. You, can get... you know how about we got bought by the same company that owns it. Okay, keep it. Oh, you're kidding me. I didn't know that IAC bought them, too. Wow. Well, so clearly there's, a, there's clearly a dating monopoly. I <laughs> like dating monopoly. Oligopoly at best. Yes, oligopoly well, at best, <laughs> like the country. <laughs> it's this very brash approach to I have these options. I can swipe left. I can swipe right. How about we, by the way? How about we for couples? Mm. Is awesome. what experience with it I mean I would like it if there was less bars but (laughs) well you should write them and tell that you should also let people know that they should stop going to bars so often because bars are stupid mainly I don't like bars because they're so loud
0: like I don't even mind sitting and drinking and talking like that's all fine if you could actually talk
1: it's yeah there was one in Astor Place that I went to I'm blanking the name now we'll link in the show notes for all you New Yorkers who want to go to a quiet bar with pleasant music I, I, you have to scream in a bar and make it they make it louder, so you have to drink more. Yeah, and then that's what they say. Yeah, they course. actually don't want you to talk; they want you to not be able to talk, so that you'll drink. Yeah, no, but and even if you're screaming loudly, louder, and they'll turn the music up a little bit more, so you end up buying more, so you don't feel it's something for you to do in the quiet moments. Yeah, the interactions. So they they intentionally a bar intentionally makes you uncomfortable, which is just silly. I just I hate getting home
0: and like my voice is hoarse yes. and like.
1: I'm like dehydrated. <laughs> it's just like. Well, I'm never, I am never. don't think I'm ever dehydrated, although I, I'm fascinated by how quickly I get so thirsty. I mean, I will drink three glasses of water in a bar, four. I mean, this full. Beer. Well, the louder you talk,
0: the more air you're pressing through your vocal cords, like the more you're exhaling and
1: that dehydrates you. No, I'm still, I'm, I mean, and I drink a lot of water regularly. And but, beer dehydrates you. I don't drink beer. In fact, I don't remember the last time I went to a bar and I drank. I, I do remember. But prior to the last time I went to a bar and drank something that was alcoholic, I don't remember, which was last time was my friend's birthday or the night before my friend's birthday, which is one horrible, horrible shot of, I guess, tequila or vodka. So season three, don't mean to cut you off. I was done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I want to talk about Marco's, Marco Arment's podcast app because we're podcasters. And if you're listening to this podcast, you should totally... And you have iOS, because it's iOS only. Sorry, Android people. Um, It is called Overcast. And it has this really cool feature, which I actually don't think you're going to like, but I love it. Which removes the silence in between speaking. So... Yeah, I don't like that. Most podcast apps, you want to be able to listen to a podcast faster, right? Like, most podcast apps have an acceleration thing, so you can listen to a podcast more quickly. But... Marco's key insight is, don't accelerate everything the same amount. Accelerate silence more, because it sounds much, much, much more natural if you take the silence out in order to speed it up 15% than to actually speed up the speech. And turns out, it it is seamless. It's like, you can speed up a podcast 25% without having really any audible artifacts. Like, you can barely tell it's even sped up. It doesn't sound like that YouTube, uh, like, Well, That's a different thing. That's where you actually speed up. (laughs) Okay, that's where you speed up the audio, like sample by sample. So you actually play it back faster. It's like playing back a 45 on Mm -hmm. a on regular speed or whatever. I think I actually said that backwards. You play full size record on 45s. Anyway, um, and it so it takes out the silences. It sounds totally natural. Like he doesn't remove all silence. He just cuts down the maximum silence to like one second or something. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's great. So anyway, it's called Overcast. It's in the App Store. It's free. And then if you want to get advanced features, there's like an app purchase for an upsell to like unlock some more stuff. So check it out. And if you go in there... Totally, Are you using
1: it now? Or oh, rather today. I'm
0: using it for my like main podcast listening for a little while to mm-hmm. see how I like it. Although I can't see myself switching
1: back because there's so many podcasts that I couldn't get through because I was bored because there's too much dead air. That's where we're going to differentiate ourselves. No dead air. But I do like some dead air. There's a human silence in there. No, you know what? I,
0: mean? I'm... After having used Overcast with the, like, the feature that removes dead air, I'm, like, very opposed to leaving dead air in our show now. (laughs) I, like, I I think I'm going to do the same thing that Marco does, which is essentially you cut out a maximum, like, you just, you don't cut out all dead air. You just limit the maximum length of dead air. So you never have dead air longer than, say, one and a half seconds, which sounds really long. Very well. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to find out how to do that with Logic. I mean, I kind of know, but I'm not entirely sure. So anyway, with our new audio, hopefully there'll be less dead air. And uh, if you do download Overcast, you should totally obviously subscribe to this podcast in Overcast and link your Twitter account and recommend us too so that other people will find the show.
1: Please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and follow us on Twitter. We're at BizVersDev, which is also in the bumper. So I don't know. Maybe I'll make
1: a new bumper. Let there be fewer dead sentences. So far,